race has rediscovered in the past 40 years that we'd lost for the previous, oh, since the Enlightenment. Um, visual language. We've rediscovered it hugely, especially nowadays in theatre and film and and adverts and logos, visual language. And that's why we're doing Life Shapes partly, is because for those who are, like me, not very academic, I have to really work at it. Um, having visual language really helps. So, Toblerone. You have now permission to open your Toblerone, because you're going to need to look at it in a moment. So Toblerone, is a, you don't have to, you can save it to later, you can look at somebody else's and there will be pictures up, sorry. I'm not forcing you to open it now. <laughs> okay, just, just wait until I've talked about it being joined and then you can scoff it down. As long as you've got at least two chunks joined together by the time I get to three paragraphs time, you're fine. Let's start. Toblerone, it's a great tool for checking the spiritual wholeness for us as individuals, a small group, a church, an organization, and a project. Are we operating our relationships in a balanced or an unbalanced way? Are we operating them according to God's templates that he gave us? And what aspects do we do well? And what aspects do we need to work at? Now, let's just root this in history. The four marks of the church is a term describing the four distinguishing specific adjectives. One holy, catholic, apostolic. Now, these adjectives were um, decided to be major distinguishing characteristics of the Christian church. And the thought that the church was characterized by these four particular marks was first expressed formally in AD 381 at the First Council of Constantinople. And it was at this meeting that the revision of the Nicene Creed, thank you for everyone saying it differently, it's not just me. <laughs> it's the first revision of the Nicene Creed was made. Now, some of us here will be going, Creed? What's a creed? Well, a creed, nice and simply, is it's a statement of faith. It's a statement of a belief or a belief structure. Now, the Nicene Creed... It's often spoken during worship services, and certainly at some Anglican worship services we say it. It's a basis of what we believe in. It was first adopted in the city of Nicaea by the First Ecumenical Council, which met in AD 325. The revision of this statement said, added the words, We believe in one holy, catholic and apostolic church. Now, in Protestant theology, rather than Catholic theology, um, these are sometimes called the attributes of church. And one of the reasons that the Nicene Creed is still critically important to us as a Christian church is that it acts as a secure anchor. It holds us to the eternal truths of the church. What we believe. What the first disciples believed 2,000 years ago. What the church has believed since 300 Okay, history lesson over. Now, if you look at your Toblerone, you will see it's a series of three-dimensional triangles joined together. All very distinct, but all one. Now, you can break the triangles into separate pieces, 
but that then reduces the strength of the bar overall. <laughs> yeah, you can't put it back together if you break it. Well, you can if you've got chocolate and you melt it and you heat it, but it's a long process. Now, at the heart of the church is a triangle. Holy, Catholic, and apostolic. No, no, no. <laughs> there isn't quite literally a triangle at the heart of the church. I'm very sorry. If I'd have thought about that, that would have been a great joke. But at the heart of understanding the church is a triangle. Holy, Catholic, and apostolic. Now, holy can be described as up to God. Catholic can be described as into each other. And apostolic can be described as out to the world. And these triangles form the basis of every single local church everywhere in the world, full stop. It is the template that God gave us for our Christian communities. Now the fourth dimension, one, is being joined to other triangles. Being part of something bigger, being part of a whole, being part of that timeless story. We're not only joined in time, i.e. all over the world at the same time, but we're joined in space, i.e. history. Now I've got that the wrong way around. We're not only joined in space, all over around the world at the same time, so we are part of the church the same as the Koreans are part of the same church, which is the same as the Australians are part of the same church, and the Danish are part of the same church. But we're also the church as it was in the 1800s and the 1600s. And one day, we're all going to be together in heaven. Now, if we look at Matthew 22, the greatest commission, sorry, the greatest commandment is this, is to love the Lord with all our hearts. So that's our passion and what we choose. To love the Lord with all our soul, which is our emotional being, what we feel and how we act upon them feelings. And with all our mind, our intellectual life, what we think. And the second greatest commandment is this. To love, the, to love our neighbour. And Jesus, I think we can sort of, in an easy term of state, neighbour was people who don't have the same beliefs about God as we do. As much as we love ourselves. And that is how we care about ourselves, how we care about our community, our Christian community. Indeed, Jesus goes so far as to say everything else hangs on these two commands. So this famous part of the Bible is showing us who God is and how to love him. Who we are and what loving one another looks like in practice. And who our neighbour is and how we are to relate to them. And so life is all about attending to these three different relationships and learning how to express love for God, love for self, and love for neighbour in the choices we make, in what we feel about ourselves and others, in what we think about ourselves and others, in what we do towards ourselves and towards others. And in Jesus, we see this again. He demonstrates it perfectly in Luke 6. One of those days, Jesus went out to a hills, to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. 
When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose twelve of them, whom he also designated apostles. Simon, who he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became their traitor. He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples were there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and the coast of Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by evil spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him because the power was coming from him and healing them all. So in Luke 6, Jesus modeled the following relationships. He modeled up to his father, in to his community, his disciples, and out to the wider community. So firstly, he related to God, his Father, in an upward dimension. And all through the Bible, again and again, we see Jesus drawing away to have time with the Father, resting with the Father, praying to the Father, worshipping the Father, and having solitude with the Father, listening. Equally, Jesus had an inward dimension. He related intimately with the people around him. He had the first ever small group. His disciples, they were his family. He would talk through his concerns. They were his brothers to share things with. They were the people he taught. They were the people that he released. They were the people he handed his church over to. But not only that, he had his other disciples, the wider community. The church, if you want to say, if you call the disciples a small group. He cared for them. He looked after them. But equally in this passage, we see that Jesus has an outward dimension. He ministered to the crowd. He had compassion on the crowd. He wasn't just concerned about his inner circle or his church. He knew that the people who were his immediate community needed to accept those that weren't part of his community. Whenever there was a need that he was aware of, he gave of himself to meet it. We see this pattern again if we look at Micah 6.8. Many of you will know this off the top of your heads. We ask the question, what does the Lord require of you? The answer is to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. And here we have the three dimensions again. We do justly what's right for others. That means justice for those whom we serve. We love in our neighbours. We're doing our apostolic mission. We're witnessing and serving. We love mercy. We love ourselves. We're in. We're Catholic. We're loving others. We're, we're community. And we walk humbly. We love God. We look up to God. We're holy. We're s- submitting to God. Worship, prayer, Bible reading. There's another example inside there as well from Luke. And I could take you to loads, all in the Old Testament and the New Testament, examples of where this triangle appears. 
time's getting on. So it's in there. I can sit down with you and take you through it. However, the tool's there, the triangle's there. Why is it important? Well, the reason is for evaluation. If you look at lots of churches, if you look at, think of the different ministries you know, the different churches you've experienced over the years, um, the different groups you've been part of. Most of them tend to do two dimensions well. They're either really good at up and in, and not so good at out, or up and out, and not so good at in, or out and in, and not so good at up. Certainly this was challenging for me when I was writing it because I'm thinking about zone and I'm thinking about late and I'm thinking about the small groups and evaluating them through this. The third dimension. It's often that when I'm not very good at it, or actually I've been party to groups where they've actually chosen not to be, part, to be good at one of the, the aspects. Many years ago, I have to admit. And to get it back in balance, to get it back to how God wants it to be, we have to work at it. We have to be deliberate about it. So, if we are operating only in the in and the out, the Catholic and the apostolic, we miss God's power, God's direction, and God's intimacy. To balance the triangle, we need to rediscover true revelation from God that comes through worship, study of the Bible, prayer, spending time listening. If not, we end up like a charity or a, I can't say this word, philanthropy. Is that right? Close enough. I practiced that about ten times this afternoon. I can't say it for love and money. We're known as do-gooders without a direction. If we forget the up. Now, if we only operate in up and in, in the holy and the Catholic, then we lose the fact that it works. We lose people coming to know Jesus, becoming disciples, and then leading others to Jesus. There's no outreach, there's no mission, and we become a nice, cozy, cozy club, all warm and fuzzy. And to bring that back into balance, we need to deliberately work at mission, at serving, and allowing God to direct our relationships with those who are not part of our church community. If we only operate in the up and out, in the holy and apostolic, then we lose community. We look like a factory churning out converts who have no place to grow, no place to get rooted. And to combat this, we need to be deliberate at creating community, real community. Community where people feel valued, where they're able to grow, where they're able to have input, and in different sizes, at places where you can be intimate, and at places where you can feel a part of something big. Because if we do this right, then community fuels mission. Mission fuels worship. And worship fuels community. And then community fuels mission. 
With balance comes growth. Now, I haven't forgotten the fourth dimension. I haven't forgotten there's more than one bit of Toblerone. One or of. If we try to go it alone with no reference or no connections to other Christians, if we have no accountability through other church ministries or fellowship outside our immediate group that we are part of, then we can become jaded or we can go off the rails. It's really important to connect with other churches or other Christian organizations, other groups of believers, so that we prove that we are one body under one headship of Christ. We safeguard against heresy and we get the fuel of what our brothers and sisters are doing to feed us, to spur us on. And we get the honor of praying for them and ministering to them in their hard times. It's really simple. Up in out of. So let's use the tool right now. Oh no. Right, I want you to think about a group or a ministry that you're involved in. This is you alone. You're not talking to anybody else. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I'm not going to call anyone out. I will explain my own personal experience, but how does it measure up? How are you doing with the up, the in, and the out, and the of? I couldn't draw an of. I'm not that good a drawer on, on computers. How are the traffic lights? Is it green for good? Is it orange for slowing down? Is it red? Danger, oh dear. Or is it red amber? Because we're moving off. Just take a moment to think. Now, in using this tool myself, this, this, these are, this particular series we're doing, I learned six years ago, seven years ago now. And um, it's, it's a lens which I, I evaluate things through. And coming up to Christmas, as because Tim told us, right, we're going to be evaluating everything, we're going to be looking at everything, nothing, you know, everything is open-handed, we're going to see what God wants us to do. We started evaluating. And... Um, some things evaluated really well. Le- um, zone evaluated really well because we are doing in and out really quite effectively and we're trying as hard as we can to get up with a bunch of people who have no reference to God. So you're having to do pre, pre, pre-evangelism even to the point of talking about love and then trying to bring it into Christianity. So that went really well. Small groups, as any of the young people will tell you who've been part of a small group over the past 18 months, we have struggled with this because there's times where we're really good at up and in, 
and it's out that we struggle with. And any of you who's a part of a small group know, know, you know, the truth is we need to be outreaching. There need to be places where we can bring people, where they can become part of community. But there are times where we need it to not have someone new in so that God can minister and we can grow and we can really allow it all to fall out and get put back together in a proper way and put back in. And it's a struggle constantly trying to work out when's the right time. Are, is, we haven't done out for a while. Is it okay that we haven't done out for a while? Um, so that's, that's, that's a struggle. Now, on its own, as a tool, I don't, it won't hugely help us be able to discern what God's wanting us to do or not to do. I think it's a really good health check. But I, th- I really tr- honestly believe that with the other tools that we're going to look at at the, over the next uh, five, six sessions, that the, the combination of them will help us really discern easily where God is wanting to take us both individually, corporately, and as a church. I really honestly believe as individuals it will help us to see where we are weak and where we are strong. And it allows us to see when there needs to be change. Where we can allow God to develop us into more balanced followers of Christ. I'll close with this. In prepping for this during the week, um, I can't remember who came round when I was, was it, was it Pete? I can't remember. Someone came round when I was halfway through the process. I was evaluating myself. I have no non-Christian friends. The only place I connect with non-Christians is at Zone. I have no opportunities for evangelism. Now part of that is my, my job has, I've allowed it to completely absorb my life. But part of it is, okay, what, what am I going to do about that? How am I going to create them opportunities? Where do I go to uh, allow myself to make them relationships, to reach out? And I finish with this. I encourage you to use the triangle. Just to have a, a, it's a very quick evaluation. Up in, out. Where are we good? Where are we weak? Next time, we'll be looking at after eights or a square. And uh, for those of you who've done the square before, I'm completely in D2 as it was pointed out to me a few minutes ago. Um, for those of you who haven't, um, the square will bring release for you. And it will stop a lot of stress. It's brilliant. Because it, it allows you to fail. It's great. If you want some more information on the triangle and what I've based it on, I've done some sheets which are just behind Pete on the uh, thing where you give money. Um... I know I'm really rubbish at this tonight, but hey. Let me just pray for you all. And then, if Rachel, if you just give us a short time of worship, and we'll just see what God wants to do. So, Father, thank you for the, uh, the patterns that you give us. Thank you that you give us the patterns of seasons throughout nature, throughout life. Thank you that you give us the patterns that Jesus established for us to follow 
to the best of our abilities and to get closer to day by day through the power and the change of the Holy Spirit. Lord, take this, use this, and help us as a church to passionately, excitedly know where you are going to take us in the unity that comes from your Holy Spirit rather than uniformity. Amen.